comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. The PKD Black Box is a proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. This is the PKD Black Box. In conjunction with the release of the Avengers movie, uh, myself, the, myself along with Donnie Salvo and John Carroll, the Trinity of the PKD Media Podcast Network, we're all here together to talk about some of our v- favorite Avengers storylines of all time. Donnie, Hi. Ha- <laughs> Donnie, how you doing, sir? Good, good. I'm doing good. Good man. Good. How's the house? It's it's a it's a house. <laughs> Every day I wake up and say, "Shit, that wasn't done right." Got to do that again. You know what? One day I'm going to ask you how the house is, and you will an- reply with "great." But every time I ask you about the house, it sounds like something out of the money pit. <laughs> it ain't that bad. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> I'm just checking. Okay. Hey, John, how you doing, man? Uh, not too bad. Not too bad. I feel like I'm the Wonder Woman if we're the Trinity. Not well. No, you know DC changed that. Now it's just all dudes in the Trinity. Remember? Oh, right. Uh, Wonder, Wonder Woman had surgery? No, no, no. In the in the, when they um, did their new images for the Trinity, it became this is around the uh, the release of the Green Lantern movie. It became Soup's Bats Green Lantern. Bullshit. <laughs> hey, that that was DC's call, not mine, buddy. That was DC's call. So, but we are Whatever. we are we are here to talk about some of our favorite Avengers storylines of all time from the Marvel Comics Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes or whatever whatever era of Avengers comics that you may know of we're going to talk about some of our favorite storylines and Donnie's got a list of about 40 because when, no, I do not. when we don't over exaggerate Sean <laughs> put pressure on me now <laughs> but no 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 but like because when we do these types of best of lists we always like step on each other's toes, so we always make sure we have extras now. But I'm going to go ahead and let Donnie start. You have the floor. Uh, well, I'm going to start with number five is uh, the Kree Scroll War. Ooh, I can scratch that off my list. Uh-huh, honorable mention. <laughs> <laughs> and the reason why I mention it is because like, um, when I first started getting into comics, I read The Death of Captain Marvel. And it blew me away because, you know, what did Captain Marvel die of? He didn't die in a big space explosion or a battle or anything. No, he died of cancer. Yeah. And that blew me away. Because superheroes are like, supposed to die from cancer. Right. Even Spider-Man said that in the book. He's like, we're, doing, we're not supposed to die of cancer. You know, and they had like all the big minds of the Marvel Universe there trying to find a cure and they couldn't do it and, and all that stuff. And so then I was trying to consume everything I could of Captain Marvel. I want to know all about him. Like, you know, what, what happened, blah, blah, blah. And, um, that's when a friend showed me Marvel was doing these, uh, reprints, the Marvel special edition. Mm -hmm. And they did like key issues of cap and the Neil Adams stuff of, uh, X-Men. And they were like two to three issues a piece. Well, they did the Kree scroll war, which focused around Captain Marvel. And, uh, you know, I'm pretty sure that was like one of the first books that kind of like 
started to really like weave in the Marvel universe mm-hmm. in a sense because like in the beginning you know they went to the Fantastic Four for help and it was just all kinds of crazy could you say that the Kree Skull, Scroll War was the first Marvel Comics event I'm not really a big Marvel history aficionado so I wouldn't feel comfortable saying yes <laughs> but, I, <laughs> but I will say that there is a yeah, possibility that sure uh, I mean in the loosest I've sense of the word from everything I've heard, it is. It's the biggest. It's their first major crossover, including virtually everybody they had being published at the time. Wow! And I actually at a flea market found one of the issues, the original issues hmm. of the Skrull War. Now, now what? Now, what was the numbering? What was the numbering on the Kree Skull War? Because I'm trying to remember. Because like I've I've had it in trades. So I don't really pay attention to the actual numbers and the years those books were put out. Do you? It was uh, eighty nine, number eighty nine to ninety seven, and I and I found number ninety at a flea market for like in decent shape for like I think it was like three dollars. So that was like around nineteen seventy one or seventy two until I, I didn't read that stuff to like the mid eighties. It started in June seventy one. Hmm. Cause see, I re- yeah. I remember reading that and then reading that in the collection, and then a friend of mine down the street had some old Avengers comics, and he had some stuff that followed up after that. And one of those issues was like, "Behold the the uh, Mandroids" or something like that. And I remember reading that. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, that was I believe that was like the first first or second issue. I'm trying to think mm-hmm. when the Mandroids attacked uh, Iron Man, Captain America, and Thor. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that I remember. I remember that reading that because a friend of mine had it after uh, reading the, like this like Kree Skull Scroll War collection stuff. It was crazy, dude. Crazy. Crazy. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm taking up your spot. Talk, no, no, talk it's cool. Me. I mean, you know, if you haven't read it, read it. Damn it. Who, it's more. It's Marvel history. <laughs> it's a th- it's a wordy bitch though. It is. Yo, know, well, yeah, but you know, I, that was the time too. Yeah, you were allowed. You, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you got your money's worth for that thirty cents. <laughs> and they re- reprinted them in two issues, I believe. Yeah, in, in eighty three. And who who was the primary artist on the Kree Squ- Squirrel War? Do you remember? Uh, I want to say it was Neil, Neil Adams. Or am I wrong? Hang on, I'm gonna look it up right now. Looking it up, Neil Adams. Okay, cool. Because like when I think old school Avengers, for some reason I always remember Don Heck. And I know I knew Don Heck did not do Kree Squirrel. I just couldn't remember who actually did. I didn't heck because I didn't have my notes up for that. But cool. It was Roy Thomas and Neil Adams and Thomas Palmer Sr. as the inker. Cool. And the Busimas. Word. Because the Busimas have been putting in work yes. since the conception of time. I think <laughs> when like when the unif- when the universe formed itself, there was like this like inkling of like Busima inking like the universe. When the universe was created, <laughs> I mean, they, they they just always work constantly. It's amazing to me. It's just amazing. God called the Basimas. <laughs> what you said? I want to put together a planet, <laughs> the whole solar system. What are you doing on Tuesday? <laughs> I can eat that for you in three hours. <laughs> you you need layouts? I'll I'll do the layouts in two. I got it. We're good. Let's go. And those dudes are just hustlers. I you love them, love them or love them or hate them. I don't care. I just I love those guys. They they were they were they are workers. J 
John, your turn, man. What you got? My number five, thank you for doing Cree Scroll War, by the way, is actually a story I consider to be better than Cree Scroll War. Uh oh. The rarity, the Godfather 2 Galactic Storm. <laughs> that was on my second list. <laughs> <laughs> no, wait a minute. Now, break down. What is Galactic Storm? Break it down. Operation Galactic Storm, better known as Cree Scroll War Part 2. The Godfather 2 of this tr- of that of the trilogy, uh, although and actually it does fit considering what Part 3 is. Uh, basically, Kree's Shi'ar this time instead of Kree Scroll, and it, the end result, they killed off the Supreme Intelligence because it was a little crazy. One, for lack of a better term, one Supreme Intelligence that dude that looked like a big head of melted plastic with wires sticking out of his head. <laughs> looked like Kang from T- Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, part but a lot bigger. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Cool. I'm just trying to give reference because see, some of these characters, I, you say their names and I kind of remember them, and the other times I'm like, oh, that dude. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Go. Ahead. He was the supercomputer that controlled the Kree. Gotcha. Gotcha. And this and thing went through. It crossed everything. over. Uh. West Coast Avengers, Avengers, Captain America, Iron Man, Quasar, Thor, Wonder Man, and even had a couple of What If books. You know I crossed over in Wonder Man. He was trying to bump up them numbers. That's a good series. I don't care what anybody says. Now, 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 Fuck you. <laughs> wait a minute. Was this the Wonder Man? I read that. It sucked. Was this the Wonder Man where he had the blue outfit with like the red yellow? I mean, not the red yellow, but with the red W? Yes. Okay. See now, if it was leisure, if it was leisure suit jacket, Wonder Man, that would have sold millions of copies. <laughs> they would be able to keep it on the show. Leisure, leisure suit, Wonder Man, with the jacket and the jetpack, with the jetpack belt. How he had that jetpack belt and not melt his own jacket or catch it on fire still amazes me to this day. You bring back the le- the leisure suit jacket, he will sell. Yes. Because now plain clothes superheroes are all, are all are all the joy now in comics, you, I, which I don't understand. But I'm like, what's wrong with having a costume, y'all? But anyway, go ahead. I'm sorry. Please continue with Galactic Storm. Essentially, Kree's versus Shi'ar, which is really dumb considering the Shi'ar or well, they have the Gladiator, and that's all you need. Versus, and they. Basically, it was the same thing as Kree Skull. They fought, the she- and the end result was they killed off the Supreme Intelligence. And I can't do it any easier than that, but I mean, of course, they had the captain. They took a vote, and Captain America says, no, you shouldn't kill it. And Iron Man's like, yeah, that was a big Fuck deal. Because <laughs> they were, they were uh, split on that decision. Like, you know, who, the Avengers like were split right down the middle. But you know what the best was? They were going out in the outer space, and they were all like, Hawkeye, you got to stay here. And Hawkeye said, hell no. And he went in there and took some pine particles and came out as Goliath 2. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. That was and awesome. he's like, get my ass in a spaceship. And I was like, that is awesome. <laughs> because I am not just a clone. I'm a arrow. <laughs> I wear purple. That should make me a bad guy. Wow. But no, I thought Galactic Storm... I've read Galactic Storm, and I've read Kree Skull, and I guess it's because, well, it's 91 when it came out, but I liked it better. <laughs> it was good. It, it was just before Marvel Arts decided to go, hey, you have 800 pockets. Hey, you have muscles upon muscles upon muscles, and you're a chick. Oh, in the team jacket era? No! Pre-jacket. Pre oh, it's pre-jacket. Okay, okay. Pre-jacket. Okay. Yeah, pre-jacket. Pre-pocket. And, and, and that was um, 
It wasn't even regular Thor. It was Thunderstrike Thor. <laughs> which means it which means especially if you're looking at the Wikipedia page at the cover, it's like his face looks like a weird mesh of a beard and uh, good old Beta Ray Bill. Mm. <laughs> wow. Hilarious. <laughs> Thunderstrike. What was that miniseries that had all the uh it had it, instead of it being Cap, Iron Man, and Thor, it was uh US Agent, War Machine and Thunderstrike was that maximum security? Probably. Oh, maybe. Yeah, that that was a dark time. We won't talk about that. <laughs> we will not talk about that. That was that's fuck terrible. <laughs> I want to talk about, and this was during a period of time in the Avengers. This is around uh, eighty between eighty two and eighty three. I want to talk about the uh, trial of Hank Pym. Oh snap! I didn't even think of that one. Yeah, this this was actually the snap your bitch up. <laughs> see, see, you ain't right. But this was the era of the Avengers. This is when I really started reading the book um, around an eighty, you know, late eighty two, early eighty three. And the first set of sets of issues I read were around the trial of Hank Pym. And there were a lot of issues that also surrounded it because they would go in and out of the trial or in and out of the situation between Hank and, and Gene. They would go, um, yeah, heard, uh, Janet, I'm sorry, Hank and Janet. They would go between uh, Hank and Janet, it, the issues between them for a few issues. But then they finally got to the trial in issue 228. But the thing, cool thing about that whole run was that they could do one and done stories in between and things would connect, but you wouldn't have to read the issue before and be all worried about if you miss something. Right. And I think the thing that, that struck me most, and I've talked about this on the podcast before was that, you know, egghead was the one that was causing all these issues and that was brought to light in issue two twenty nine. Um, you know, after the trial and then after that Hank Pym left the team and he said, you know, he's not going to be Yellow Jacket anymore because at the time he was Yellow Jacket. And yes, Hank Pym did have issues regardless of what Egghead was doing to him. He still had mad issues. But I think the thing that caught me the most was that during this run, during the trial of Hank Pym, you had a bunch of different artists doing, uh, doing the work. Like the issue before the actual quote unquote trial took place was issue uh was it 227 yeah it was 227 and in issue 227 the artwork was by sal busima but it was inked by uh brett uh brett uh breeding and it doesn't look like sal busima artwork it looks like this this like amalgamation of uh like perez work and it but it's gorgeous and the color job is just amazing and I remember reading this issue, like because like issue two twenty seven also had a guest appearance by the Fantastic Four, which which I loved, and it was just great. And it was the Fantastic Four uniforms from the eighties that had like the little four in the corner instead of the four in the, in the center of the chest. Those corny looking uniforms, so they look like jumpsuits. And I just I just really remember being just enthralled by the whole trial and the issues that surrounded. Um, the storyline within and you went through a bunch of people and and I know Donnie's gonna laugh at me when I say this but even Al Milgram worked on this stuff oh see now all of a sudden you want to come with the Al Milgram love no well really what saved him was the Joe <laughs> was the Joe Senate inks on one issue 
in issue 229, Final Curtain, um, Joe Sinnott came in and did the inks, which, you know, made his look, made, made um, Milgram's work look really nice. And then, like, say, for instance, issue 228, which is, tri- which is called Trial and Error, where the trial actually starts... Um, Milgram did the pencils, but Brett Breeding did the inks, and once again, Brett Breeding's ink work made Milgram's pencil work look so much better. Brett Breeding is a hell of an inker, dude. I never, I, I didn't understand the level of talent Brett Breeding had or has until now, because he really makes this Avengers run, which is, for me, I guess it would say like you know issues two. Tr- from moments looking like 227 through 230 he makes that little run shine he really does because he enhances everybody's artwork but i just remember that run of especially 1983 i remember that being my run of of the avengers for like the longest time because there was never a consistent art team and even spider-man was part of the group for two issues like 236 and 237 that was my run that and that was the year that i said okay avengers is my book this is the I want to buy this book, and they didn't even have great teams for a while. Yeah, there was Cap, Hawkeye, Thor, um, Wasp, uh, Captain Marvel, aka Monica Rambeau, and it also introduced us to Star Fox, and uh, Star Fox was on the team, and She Hulk joined. So, and and then Hawkeye left, Thor left, and then the team was Cap, Wasp, um, Monica Rambeau, Scarlet Witch, She Hulk, and Star Fox. And when you, mm-hmm. when you think about that, that doesn't really sound like a good team on paper, but it was still dope to me. And a lot of it was due to the simple fact that Roger Stern, the writer, kept that whole run in check that whole year. He kept that. He, he made that team interesting for me. So that's why, to me, that's that run is one of the most important runs in Avengers history for me, because it didn't matter who was on the book. It didn't. It's just they made sure, Roger Stern made sure that whoever was on the book, the book was going to be tight no matter what the art team or whatever. It was the best balance of art and writing, coloring and everything I seen from an Avengers book run. For me as a kid, nothing topped that. So that's mine. We'll go to John, and then we'll go to Donnie, and then we'll flip it back to me. So, John, what's your next one? My next one is I'm going a little bit outside of the box here. (laughs) And, you know, we're talking Avengers. But, you know, if we're going to be doing this before the movie, we have to follow a little bit of what the movie is, what they are basing it on. Okay. That is my favorite of the alternate Marvel Universe Avengers teams, and that would be Ultimates 2. Oh, okay. Okay. What you got for me? What you got? You remember the Ultimates one where basically you had the, what is basically the Marvel ones with uh, Sam Jackson as Nick Fury and you introduced everybody. But I loved Ultimates 2 more than Ultimates 1. Yes, it took three years to come out and it got a little annoying, but where you had the Liberators versus the event versus the Ultimates. And you also brought in the uh, Defenders to a little bit, which are a joke superhero team. But it's got probably the greatest, greatest ending. When 
they drop one when they drop the Hulk and they kick him out of the uh, helicopter and they basically and he lands and you start killing and eating everybody. <laughs> but the greatest is when he points when Cap's about to take on one of the Liberators who have uh, I think this one had I can't remember if he had uh, was it did he. Did he have giant man powers or did he have the Thor powers? I can't remember. But he points at his hat. He points at his helmet and says, "Do you think this A stands for France?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I remember that boy. People took that uh, that panel and posted it all over the internet for a while. Yeah, I remember that for sure. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, oh yeah, that was it was great because it had the uh, but that one. Didn't I don't think that one that one didn't have the betrayal and everything that uh the that three did but it was yeah well actually no it did have the betrayal of Black Widow when she thought she killed him off and it also uh, but uh you could also see what became part three in that with the uh, with the betrayal by of uh, Ultron and everything and the only thing I can say I didn't like about it was the creepiness of the obvious sexual between uh. That they between uh who is Blackwood I'm uh, sorry Red uh, Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver yeah that that was kind of creepy oh that was on the incest tip uh they were uh, they they made it even more obvious than uh regular Marvel does but it was all about I mean yeah it was you're reading it and you're going yeah this is Mark Miller's uh, basic philosophy. I mean, yeah, it's very neoconservative, but you're reading it and you're like, this is just some people blowing shit up and destroying shit. And <laughs> you know what? That's what the ultimate is. And it was great. <laughs> now, it was it was great. Now, have you read any other Ultimates books since then, or is that the one that just basically is the pinnacle for you and that's where you leave it? I've read, I've read the entire line. All of it. Yep. Yeah, it waxes and wanes. I mean, the Ultimate Spider-Man just basically rehashes a, a lot of old storylines, and it kind of died. It didn't advance the character as much as it should. They made him too static. And Ultimate uh, was it? Ultimate X-Men could have been. It was all right, but yeah, but it was okay. Okay. All right. Cool. Yeah, now, have y'all read a lot of Ultimates? Um, I've read little. I've read like like the first some of the first volume, and then there was a period of time. Wasn't Frank Cho doing some artwork on some Ultimate stuff? Yeah, and I think. But I mean, it was everybody knows Bagley and Hitch though for that. Yeah, I've never read any of the Ultimates stuff consistently. Like I, I think I've probably watched the DVDs more than I have actually read the books. And so, and I, even the DVDs have difference as opposed to the material that's in the actual Ultimates books. So, I, I'm not I'm not that heavily versed um, in the Ultimates lore, uh, unfortunately. Unfor- unfortunately, it would. Yeah. Do you think it would be something that I would enjoy reading? Did you enjoy the uh, early first, the first about twelve or thirteen issues of the Authority? Yes. Then you would enjoy this because that art, just I mean, just the art, just the hitch art. Oh my God, it's beautiful. Okay. And you know I'm a story guy. I don't, I'm not a big art guy, but that art is just beautiful. Okay. Cool. Let's see now. But now. yeah, I mean, because I mean they've got it in oversized hardcover, which I which is a good way to get it. But if you can't, just get the regular uh, trade, and it's still good. Cool. The story, the storyline, and the last couple ones have not been great, but the art's been good. 
I've never read an issue. You haven't? Nope. Of any uh, Ultimates comics of any sort of kind. Ultimates 1 and Ultimates 2, you should get. Ultimates 3... It's, it's kind of like Godfather 3. It wasn't that great, but it was still there. Right. And it existed. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> but after, after they did Ultimatum, it kind of really went downhill. I mean, well, actually, it was going downhill before that, but it kind of like, hi, wait a minute. It's kind of like the coyote when he realizes that there's nothing under his feet. <laughs> <laughs> Donnie, your turn, homie. What you got? I got New Avengers Breakout. The first six issues of the New Avengers from 2005. Ah, yes, yes. The the, the issues that angry fanboys say, they just put their movie properties together and made a book. Sorry. And it was awesome. Yeah, yeah, it, it was awesome. It was, it was awesome. I enjoyed it thoroughly. Thoroughly. Dude, someone went to the raft and sabotaged the raft, which is a floating prison for superhumans in the middle of... <laughs> In the middle of like Long Island Sound or wherever the hell it is, and and then uh, who was on Luke Cage and Daredevil and Jessica Drew and a whole bunch of SEAL agents and Captain America were all there checking out. I forgot what they were checking on something, and then all these super villains get get loose and they got to fight them, and then Spider Man swings onto the thing, and and then uh, I mean like. Just just for the D and Z level villains alone, like Bushwhacker <laughs> and the Brothers Grimm. Oh, I remember them. Yes. And Griffin. Griff oh. Ironclad. Mm. <laughs> Mandrill. <laughs> Mr. Fear one and four. I don't know. Two and three may have got away or they're dead. I don't know what happened. They're like they're like the Villanos, one, two, and three. Mm-mm. You know, I mean, like, you had, like, Razor Fist. Come on, that's the dumbest damn villain ever. <laughs> His hands other are than, swords. Other than the owl? How does he eat? <laughs> he eats carefully. That's how he, he eats. <laughs> and they're trying to protect Foggy Nelson because he's on there, too. I mean, it was awesome. Mm-mm. You said the Brothers Grimm. Weren't, I did. Weren't those the dudes that were, like, on the cover of that one issue of Iron Man during the 80s that Luke McDonald did, and they were, like, shooting Iron Man with eggs? I'm going to click right on it right now. Let's see. The first appearance was Iron Man 187. <laughs> and it is... First, uh, first appeared as Piercy and Barton in Iron Man 187 and as the Brothers Grimm in 188. And in the cover for 188, it, are they shooting eggs at Iron Man? Uh... Let's see. We're going to click on that right now. But you know, you forgot the ultimate greatest part of New Avengers. What's that? Say? That whole thing. What's that? Sentry! Yeah, I was kind of trying to avoid that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you're introduced to Sentry, and he fly. He he actually helps the Avengers, and he flies up, and then he, he takes Carnage in his hands, and he just rips him in half in the atmosphere and lets him go. And you had, and you had that really stupid uh, Matt Murdock at the time costume. Yep. But, uh, yeah, I mean, this storyline not only is a we got to reform the team. Let's get let's get the band back together moment. But it was like a lot of characters that I liked that Marvel really wasn't doing anything with, you know, yeah. mixed with some mainstream guys like, you know, Luke Cage. They weren't doing shit with Luke Cage. Yeah, I mean, this also brought back Spider-Woman, too. You're right. Exactly. Jessica Drew Spider-Woman. You know, so yeah, it's pretty. It's it's heavy, dude. It, it's real heavy. 
Pokemon and then they go into the Savage Land and they find out that Shield agents are are are, are stealing some kind of uh, what the hell are they stealing? Some kind of um, I'm going off the top of my head, people. Um, some kind of metal. Was it vibranium? <laughs> and uh, then you find out later they weren't real Shield agents because this whole damn thing was setting up the Secret Sick. Invasion, man. Yep. Spoiler alert. And also, you had some beautiful uh, hitch art, too. Yeah. No, the book was nice. No, yeah, it well put together. You know, and, and as a kid growing up, we've seen Spider-Man, you know, be a part of the Avengers, but not join the Avengers. Oh, they always teased it. Yeah, they always teased it. And then when this actually happened, I was really surprised. I remember reading that just being, like, shocked that they actually pulled the trigger and made the move. And I said, although this won't last for long. Uh, they they won't keep him on the team for long, and he's been part of that. He's been part of that team forever. I mean, and granted, he's always had some integral part to the Avengers as far as like Civil War and and everything else. But I never thought he would be on the Avengers this long ever, especially mm-hmm. especially with the fact that seeing that Sony has the rights to Spider Man, how and like how the Avengers are now a Disney property as far as movie wise goes, even though it might be distributed through Paramount. The sec- this movie will be distributed through Paramount, but the future ones won't. Right. I thought that Spidey would not last on this book that long, but he's he's definitely been an integral part of that series now. And you can't, re- I mean, you can remove him if you want, but I don't think that's going to happen for a real long time. And Spidey but- just left, if I remember correctly, in the last uh, in the whole disassembled, but uh, the new disassembled storyline. Ah, oh, ruiner! I get my sh- my shipment once a month. Oh, go ruiner! You'll forget. <laughs> You'll forget. You'll forget. Spoiler alert. Thanks, John. <laughs> well, by the time this episode airs, Donnie will have read it by by then. And they'll call That's you true. and be mad at you. He's like, you spoiled That's it true. for me. <laughs> no, I didn't. I know. I'm just I'm fucking with you. Then that was during the period of time where... I was for me. I was falling in and out of comics, and that's when I got back in again. Was as far as like Marvel and the Avengers go. Was New Avengers. That's when I got back into it. I, I got to yeah. hand it to Bendis though, because when when I saw Wolverine was part of that team, I was like, "That's bullshit." <laughs> but he made it work. Yeah, he did. You know, he he did. Yeah, he sure. That's did. before he joined five other teams. Yeah. <laughs> now now Wolvie is everywhere. No, it's just like Spidey. Spidey's part of the, the Fantastic Four or Future Foundation or Full Force or wherever you want to call them. Um, you know, I mean Yes. He's a member of five, all five, of that. <laughs> five five is he member of the Furious Five? Could be if he wanted to. <laughs> sure. You know, every now and then if Grandmaster Flash can't mix on the turntable, Spidey get up there and cut a mix real quick. So he'd be all right. So he's everywhere, man. Spidey is everywhere. Wolvie is everywhere. <laughs> I'm going to move on, and I'm going to pick mine, and I'm, I'm going to take it back to the 80s once again, because that's what I do, and I'm going to go to the year 1985, and the thing is, is that the previous run I talked about, Roger Stern was the head writer. He was in control and steering the ship, steering the ship. and in 1985, Roger Stern is still writing the Avengers, and I think people fail to realize that Roger Stern had a pretty, pretty long run on the Avengers. Uh, I mean, not not probably not as long as Brian Michael Bendis has, but if you go back and look at a lot of these '80s books for the Avengers, Roger Stern had a very long run. And in 1985, 
it's not like the storyline that w- was like the most heavy thing in the world. It's what happened during that year in the Avengers. Because the one thing Roger Stern did, Roger Stern didn't always have the greatest teams to work with, but he made the stories interesting and fun enough for you to go read them regardless of who was, in, who was on the team. And that's what good writing does and also with good art as well. And this was the first time I remember reading a storyline or run during that year where it has something to do with the vision. Whereas like when we got to Avengers West Coast, you had Vision Quest. Mm-hmm. The to me the the beginnings are of you, what do you say? Are you gonna do Ultimate Vision? No, 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 I'm not doing Ultimate Vision. No. Um, thank, thank you. No, no, no. I'm going back to the Avengers in nineteen eighty five, issues two fifty one through two sixty two. And talking, oh, well, actually, Ultimate Vision was one of those issues. I forgot. That was 254. I won't talk about that one. But Wait, hang on. Is that, that where he went kooky and took over the Avengers? Yeah, 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 for a minute. Yeah, yeah. And, your, and he plugged into the, he plugged their main computer into his head yes. and tried to take over the world. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> this shit is corny, but I love it. I love it. It's fucking corny as hell, and I love it, man. Because that was the first time they ever really, to me, in my eyes, they did anything with Vision. Besides that vision was that dude floating in the background saying I, 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 lo- I love Scarlet Witch and he's like let me face through a wall I'm here what's up alright and then he bounced that, that, that's all I remember from vision but like it was around this point that vision's really, vision really started to get a role in the book and, and he would still hop in and out of the book regardless especially after Ultimate Vision he went away and I also remember during that whole Ultimate Vision storyline there was an issue because this was also during a period of time where the book wasn't called the Avengers. It was called the mighty Avengers mm-hmm. and like the mighty would be up top and small font and then the Avengers would be boom blaze, you know, emblazoned on the cover. But there was an issue during this ultimate vision run. And I think it was the issue where he hooked himself up to the supercomputer where, uh, the West coast Avengers showed up, uh, you know, Hawkeye, no. Hawkeye, Mockingbird, uh, this, during this run is when they decided to do because when this thing first started, the reason he took command of the Avengers is, if you remember, is because half the team was gone on Secret Wars. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Wow. See, and uh, yeah, and so he took over, and then uh, when they all got back or whatever, after I think it's after this storyline is when they just des- they decided to do the West Coast Avengers team and made. Uh, Clint and Mockingbird, like the leaders or whatever. Okay, okay. Well, yeah, it's just it's just crazy. And I just remember after Ultimate Vision finished, like the team was like still was Cap, Star Fox, uh, um, Black Knight, Wonder Man, with the uh, with the with the jacket, um, Scarlet Witch and Hercules, and then like every other issue, a member would hop in and out of the book. And that was also the year where they went to the Savage Land. They fought Terminus. Um, Fire Lord showed up. They teamed up with the Squirrels for a second. Then you had two. The Eternals. Yeah, yep. And um, you had that uh, whole, those two Secret Wars 2 tie ins. One where they were fighting the Rab, the Wrath of Nebula. And then I remember the last issue of, of that year in 85. The cover still cracks me up to this day. Stingray's, like Stingray is a guest in the book, but on the cover, Namor is fighting Hercules. And like Namor is like grabbing Hercules by his face, and and like Hercules is trying to punch Namor, and and, and like they're in the water, and and all the other Avengers at the time, which was only Cap, Black Black Knight, uh, Wasp, and Captain Marvel, Monica Rambeau, um, are trying to like stop the fight. 
Oh yeah, yeah. And I just re- I just remember that issue so much because I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that on this issue the cover is Busima and Tom Palmer, and it's just a very it's an image that's ingrained in my head. And then that was also the year that the team went back from the title name being the Mighty Avengers back to the Avengers, mm-hmm. and so like 85 was another important year in the Avengers for me. Once again, it's not a team of heavy hitters. It's not. And then that's why my whole point of, you know, that team lasted a long time. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Even during the shit era with Dr. Druid as the leader, which is an era I don't, it doesn't exist in my brain. I literally cut it out, but I read it. I remember as a kid reading it and I just kept saying every month, I, there was a lot of, a lot of good artists on this. Uh, everyone from, uh, John and Sal Buscema to Tom Palmer to uh, Carmine Infantino did a, a couple of issues here and there. And and the whole thing is a lot of the issues. Al Mulgram. Yeah, Milgram did work too. He did. But the thing is, the way it all worked is with the Buscema stuff, John Buscema would do breakdowns and Tom Palmer would do the finishes. And so, But the art looks so clean. And, and it's not every day. See, this is what happens when you get like real pros together to, to like build these books. You can have somebody do breakdowns and get like like, like John Busima to do breakdowns, and then Tom Palmer comes in and inks and just finishes it up and inks and makes it looks and just makes it look beautiful. This to me, it's just it's a great era of comics for me. It really is, and it's not knocking the stuff that's out now, but I just like I remember that run, I'm, dude. I mean, outside of Cap, outside of Cap and Captain Marvel. There's, you know, and like, well, now Hercules is important, but back then people didn't think Hercules was important. They thought he was a joke. Oh, yeah, he was a big joke character. You know, there's an issue in that run, issue 252, the cover, Hercules is getting punched by some beast. Like, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and like, I'm just like, man, they are making a fool out of this dude. Where's Thor at? Well, you remember how he joined the, how he went back was they did that crossover with Thor. Uh, demon something mm-hmm. and it was like the Fantastic Four all teams of Avengers and Thor were fighting like all these demon like these um, shit I'm trying to find it now I want to say it was it was uh, 249 come on where are you yes 249 Demon Storm where all these like uh, crazy ass guardian dude demon dudes came and, and were going to take over the earth yeah and they all started fighting him, but but what happened was the weather went crazy. I'll never forget this because they show Hercules. This is my first introduction to Hercules, actually, in the Marvel Universe as a kid. And they showed him, man, and it was just this huge beefcake dude and like a and like a speedo laying on a on a beach drinking <laughs> with all these hot chicks around him, and he's trying to get laid. And then all of a sudden, a snowflake came down, and he was like in the Bahamas or some shit. And then he swam to New York or something dumb like that to find out what was going on to talk to the Avengers. And that's how he was back on the team. I always remember, I think, was it in uh, with him? Uh, was it Avengers JLA or was it in another crossover where Wonder Woman sees Hercules and just starts wailing on him? Oh, yeah, because of- like the DC version of Hercules was more like the... Uh, the actual mythology where he really fucked over the the uh, Amazon women, yeah. <laughs> so she went right after him. It was JLA Avengers. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah, wow. I was remember that. I, I, that was great. I love, I love, I love reading JLA Avengers. That, that that book never gets old at all. It's beautiful, man. It's absolutely beautiful. That's one. Of my I favorites. always, 
the cover of what was it three that had everybody on it or yes. was it four god bless george perez do you know everybody who was ever a member ever and even if they just walked in and one panel was on that book dude i think it from what i understand that thing was literally like something like 10 foot by six foot was the original art i was just sitting there like why won't they make this a poster <laughs> i don't know because they I, can't get yeah oh but that was one of my honorable mentions actually was jla avengers <laughs> so since we talked about it i'll cross it out oh no it's cool man if you want to talk about it some more you can no sorry we got, I got a lot of shit to cover here. And the last thing, I, <laughs> the last thing I'll say about that run, I, I think the thing that I remember most, and it still cracks me up because I have the um, GIT Interactive run of the Avengers, which has like all the just these crappy scans from from like the first issue all the way through the first twelve issues of uh, New Avengers. The issue that I was talking about, uh, two sixty something, where Namor is fighting Hercules. You mm-hmm. open the first page, it's this beautiful splash page of uh, Stingray coming out from the ocean. But if you look yep. at the inside front cover, it's an ad for the Mobile Armored Strike Command mask. <laughs> and it's got like all the vehicles and it's got the playset. That shit gotta be hype. We will now go to Donnie, and then we'll go back to John. So, Donnie, you're next, buddy. My number three was Avengers Disassembled, and that was uh, Avengers 500 to 503, and that's where the Scarlet Witch went crazy. Oh. And just, and just she killed Hawkeye, uh, Scott Lang. Yay! <laughs> she, <laughs> she killed the Vision, and... Uh, it was just crazy. Like every, almost every single hero from the DC, I mean DC. Oh shit! From the Marvel universe was there. All their enemies came, and Ultron showed it, but none of shit was real. It was all in their head. It was crazy. I will point out she did not kill Scott Lang. She brought back Jack of Hearts. Yes. Who blew oh, up yes, and killed right. Scott Jack- Lang? Yes. <laughs> so Jack of Hearts was a, a member of the Avengers at the time. It was a weird team of Avengers, dude. It was like Captain America, the second Captain Britain, uh, She Hulk, Ant Man 2, Jack of Hearts. It was a weird ass team. But she destroyed Avengers Mansion. She, she just she just screwed shit up. She just was- she just messed up their entire world. <laughs> and then they broke oh. up. All because they disassembled Vision and he went nuts. It was crazy. Well, uh, and also she found out my children aren't real. Yes, that she actually concocted them by using her powers, and then the, and you actually and Marvel played around with this for a long time about how she was a very par- powerful character, but they never really showed like what she can do, mm-hmm. and she changed reality. You know what I mean? Like she made two kids. Yeah. Demons, actually. And and it was like and then out of this came the um the new Avengers and then House of M and all that stuff. Came out of this, yep. but it, you know, kids? it was all available and trade and hardcover. And it went through it actually went through uh for the entire storyline is Avengers Avengers Captain America, Captain America and the Falcon. Fantastic Four, Iron Man, Spectacular Spider-Man, and Thor. 
and it was probably about six issues apiece. Yeah. There's a lot to this storyline. Yeah. And aren't her kids two of the new two of the young Avengers? Maybe. I think so. No, you don't really know. Yeah. You know, but you don't know. Mm. Yeah, man. I- that's part of the mystery of uh which is which is great because that's uh, a lot that's going on um in the Children's Crusade miniseries, the storyline where uh Wiccan goes out and looks for the Scarlet Witch. Which is an honorable mention of mine as well. Nice. I haven't read that yet. And it is Thanks awesome. for the spoiler. <laughs> Thanks for the spoiler. Well, I didn't tell you if they found her, but they did. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> and then that, that whole miniseries is leading into the X-Men versus Avengers event that's happening at Marvel. You know, I didn't read Avengers Disassembled until I got that disc, that that disc of all the Avengers comics, because I read New Avengers like I had the actual you know paper paper comics of New Avengers, and I'm like, well, how do they get to here? And then I went back and read a lot of the Avengers Disassembled stuff, and the only thing I could think of while Scarlet Witch was going crazy, this R. Kelly song kept playing in the background of my mind. Uh, when a woman's trapped fed up, closet. no, not trapped in the closet. That was oh. that was the second one, but <laughs> the first one was when a woman's fed up. The instrumental just kept like running on loop every time Scarlet Witch was wrecking shop, and I don't know why. And it just always did. It always did. But tangent, tangent. Sorry. Go ahead, um, John. It's on you, buddy. I have to go back to my previous when we had Godfather 1, we had Godfather 2, we had Kree Squirrel War, we had Galactic Storm, and we have to have the Godfather 3. What is it? Secret Invasion. I was so excited Secret Invasion, about that damn thing. <laughs> that thing was redeemed for one line. One line made that story, made that whole piece of shit story where they could have redone everything. They could have done so much with it. One thing redeemed that. One thing. Well, my God has a hammer. That's it. <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, it had good parts to it, but let me tell you something, dude. When that was going on, my comic shop owner loved me because I bought every tie in. <laughs> Because I was so hyped about this, and it just was like, by the time it got to the end, I was like, are you kidding me? Yeah. Oh, it was crap. And then it went into, from immediately, it went into the next, quote unquote, not really an event, but Dark Rain. Mm Mm-hmm. And then when as soon as I saw the list of all the crap that Dark like all the the tie-ins and stuff for Dark Rain, I dropped everything but the Avengers books. Wow. I didn't get anything. I was like I was dumping Marvel books left and right. I was so mad. Oh yeah, I dumped everything more. I wasn't getting much Marvel tie-ins on that anyway because I after the uh burning of Civil War, I just was like F you and I dropped out. I remember I remember from Secret Invasion. I remember I read the first issue of Secret Invasion, and I it, it, it pulled me in so much because there was so many you know what the fuck moments and all all this danger and all this drama and all this stuff. I was like, wow, this is amazing! And I got issue two and issue three, and it slowed down so much, and and I didn't understand. I didn't really understand why. And it's it's at it's at the writer's discretion. It's at the editor's discretion to do whatever they want to do. But that first issue for me set up so much 
and got the ball rolling that I only thought that things could only go faster from there. And right. and then from there, it really took me a while to get back to Secret Invasion and finish reading it. And then to be told the story in the perspective that it was told in the, in the last issue, basically you're, it's all, you know, it's all being narrated, which, yeah, that's cool and whatnot, but I wouldn't use, to me, I just, it was, I, I couldn't see myself like just me, but this is just me. It's, you do whatever you want to do. If that's Benis's call, it's Benis's call. You can do whatever he wants. But I, that kind of just like took me off a bit because I, you know, we have never read an event or a limited series where the whole book is all narration. You know, this happened, and then this happened, and then this happened. Oh, look, that happened, too. Yeah, it was kind of bad, man. Yeah, this happened, that happened. I just That was, it was so different, and I think that just, like, set a lot of people off because they weren't used to it. And it also was the final issue. If you did that for issue six and then had a regular issue for issue seven, I don't think people would have complained as much. But I right. think what... I mean, this was the le- uh, they learned their lesson on this. If you've noticed, they've either got shit now in the can for it, yep. uh, or but they're not gonna, they're not trusting people because LFU screwed them on that because he was late repeatedly on that. But looking at the series as a whole, it was actually a decent series yeah, because it, it cleared up so it cleared up the Cree so much because I mean the Cree had been basically ignored by uh for years because i mean after especially after the annihilation tie-ins and everything which has been a was a good series but i mean they it it cleared up and it freed them away from everything because what was going on in marvel uh galactic was basically hey we got the shiar and we have the kree and you had that crap and it also led into some more of the um beautiful annihilation fallout stuff and it was just it was but it was a it was a good series because it also yes it led into the bullshit that's dark rain but eh, i liked the if you just look at the main series as it is i loved it mm-hmm. i loved it because it it brought back cap and iron man together yeah a little bit of thor i mean but it started getting everybody back together and clearing up some of the crap that was civil war right 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 no, there are definitely there are definitely high points to Secret Invasion. It's not I'm not trying to shit on it, but but it, they could have done so much with that series. I mean, they could have. It's kind of like how we always bitch about certain series. Like, oh man, if we had known this, they could have done X X Y Z B Q V. They could have done. They could have changed up so many people's status quo with this. But, I mean, they didn't. Nothing right. really changed coming out of it. No. I mean, Donnie, what you complained about with everything is like, yeah, great. You didn't change. You didn't really, with Dark Reign, you had that bullshit. Although, did you like Dark Avengers? Bits and pieces. I wouldn't say I was a big old fan. Did you like when they got their ass handed to him by the Avengers? I mean, by the X-Men? E- that's... Like uh, that's when I dropped the X Men when they did that crossover. Oh, that was that's cool. when I dropped it. So I never. I read like the first. They came out with that one shot. Yeah. And I actually think I dropped the X Men and Dark Avengers. I dropped Dark Avengers, and I think there was only like there only wound up being like seven issues or six issues left of the series after I dropped it. Yeah. And the same thing with Mighty Avengers too. And uh, and New Avengers and and and. Uh, 
I, I had dropped them all before, like between Dark Rain and Siege. Yeah. So I'm starting to get those issues back just to get the full run and read the stories. Yeah. But uh, that's when I was really getting, you know, Marvel really just pissed me off. And I was like, you know, all these books I've been collecting since I was a little kid. I was like, you know what? Kiss my ass. I'm out. Yeah, and, I, and I did. As I said, there's a reason it's the Godfather 3 of the series. Because <laughs> if you're going to have – I mean, if you're going to like Kree Scroll War and you're going to like Galactic Storm and then you read – Basically, you read Bendis's version of what those series would be. You go, "Where's some Roger? Where's some Kurt Busiek? I need some Kurt Busiek in my life again. I need some Roger Austin. So, you know, I need some." The reason that thing slowed down was because of modern storytelling and style. Right. Oh yeah, it, yeah. it, it became very uh, television episodic in its in its writing and its in its in its style. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but I liked it, but that's just me. No, and it's cool. Next. <laughs> it's cool, man. I just remember, like, when I read Civil War and then Civil War Frontline, Front, Civil War Frontline was actually really good. So mm-hmm. I remember yeah. getting Secret Invasion, and they're like, oh, yeah, you got to get Frontline. I'm like, well, if it's anything like Civil War Frontline as far as what it actually tells you, great. I got that first issue, and... I, I had all the salty feelings. You could have called me Lowry's that day because I was seasoned salty after reading Frontline number one. And I think that may have also set me off to not read the rest of Secret Invasion so fast. Because like I didn't expect it to be like Civil War, but it's like if you come out with this Frontline book, you kind of set a bar with Civil War Frontline. So you can't lower the bar. And I thought with that, the bar was lowered. I mean, dropped hard. So they, it put a sour taste dropped that. I say they dropped that whole storyline that they had with Civil War Frontline, basically saying, "Oh look, it looks like Iron Man was behind all this crap, so he could make money." Right. And they just dropped it. They were like, "Uh, oh, we're wrong." Anything? <laughs> uh, Oops, we're <yeah>. wrong. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'm going to move on to mine. I'm going to take it to the year 1998. And 1998 brought about an all-new Avengers team. It brought about a, a renumbered series. Yet another one. Yes, yet another one. And this was on the cu- this was during the Heroes Return era. During the Heroes Return era, we got a brand new Avengers series written by Kurt Busiek with artwork yes. by George Perez and Oh, inks, you know that's inks right. by Vey. And this was, once again, the book that got me back on the Avengers after reading the Heroes Reborn Avengers, where I was in for a minute and then I was out. And the thing I remember most about this first initial run, those was the first 11 issues. There were so many things that were going on. You had the return of Wonder Man, and he was like this energy being. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cap went through three shields because he, he, <laughs> he, he, you know, he lost his ant, uh, adamantium shield. Then he brought back his old school shield, and then he had the energy shield. That shit got me hyped when he brought the energy shield out. I don't care what anybody says. That is some like childhood kid shit that I just love. And Iron Man had that amalgamation of the like old school Iron Man suit, but it was like updated for the '90s with like the glowing, like with the glowing spots on it. Miss um, Marvel wasn't called Miss Marvel. She was a she was called Warbird, and she was an alcoholic. Warbird, and she was an alcoholic. 
Yeah. And um, they were trying to find out who the team was going to actually be and try to work out the team. And then, as always, the Squadron Supreme showed up and they were hypnotized by somebody because they can easily be hypnotized by anybody. And they had to, they fought with the Avengers. I'm like, you know what? The Squadron Supreme, for as, for as all this talent they have, they are so easily duped. Look into my eyes. <laughs> Look into my eyes. Oh, yeah. But the, the best part of that, though, was like the first story arc with, um, oh, what the hell was her name? Oh, shit. Matori, what was her name? Matoria LeFay? Okay, yeah, yeah. Is that uh, her name? Morgana LeFay? Uh, Is it Morgana LeFay? Uh, yeah, there you go. And she turned the entire world into medieval times. Yeah. And all the Avengers were in, every person who was an Avenger up until this moment was in this book. Yes. And you kn- If you were reserved, you were in. Yep. Even D-Man was in. D-Man. And and in and, and like in triathlon, we're not we're not talking about that. That's the only he blemish. wasn't there yet. That's the only blemish. That's the <laughs> only only blemish on that Avengers run is triathlon, because and they were all dressed. They all had medieval costumes, mm-hmm. and even and and the only two that weren't Avengers at this time that were that kind of remember what was going on was Firestar and Justice. Yeah, from from new, the New Warriors, and then they became members after the whole thing was over. Yeah, man. I just remember when triathlon showed up in issue eight. I was hurt. I'm like, how they gonna have the Scientology brother on on the on the team, and he's angry all the time. Poorly written character. And the thing is, Kurt Busiek from reading Astro City, when it comes to like writing minorities, he's normally spot on. But this one, he slipped. But um, it slipped hard. I just and then because eventually in triathlon become 3D man. But I can't. I, I don't. Yes. Know. But still. Yes. That, and that was in the Agents of Atlas series. Okay, but still, I mean, that, that he was actually super pro. Oh, don't say super pro, please. Super pro, uh, writing it, writing comics for NFL tickets. Um, <laughs> but, but Ted, I wish I'd never found that out that he did it for season tickets for a year. Yeah, that's fucking hilarious. But I just that's to me that's like the only blemish on this first like eleven or twelve issues of the Avengers. Like that really. Got me so hype, and, per- and Perez's artwork is so beautiful. I mean, even it, Jerry Ordway did some issues yeah, in the did. teens. Yeah, 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 it's just gorgeous. And that I think he did the uh, Ultron storyline, maybe possibly. I'm, yes. tr- I'm trying to look it up. Yeah, that was that was a hell of a that was a little hell of a run. But like 1998 in specific was for me a great year for the Avengers, and it was just a lot of fun because, like I said, they were throwing a lot of concepts out there, and Cap was a real interesting character. The uh, stuff with Carol Danvers slash Warbird slash Miss Marvel was kind of trite, but <laughs> but like when she is like flying in the air with like a bottle of wine and like you know they got the little word bubble word balloons and it's like yep. they got the little hiccup because she's drunk and then she this is awesome <laughs> stuff like that yeah man it's just crazy Absolutely. I mean even later on you had guys like Stuart Eminem doing doing books yeah man you know it was a ton of fun. Son of fun. It was, it, was a, it was a really fun run. I just remember that year in 98 reading those and being, once again, enthusiastic about reading The Avengers again. And, you, and another thing, too, about that run is, like you said, Jerry Ordway did it. You don't see a lot of Jerry Ordway Marvel work. No. No, you don't. No, you don't. And people forget that during this run of The Avengers, and this was like, like a couple years later, Jeff Johns did some stories. Oh, we're good. That's I got some of those in my honorable mentions. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Well, I'll shut up about that thing.
Whose turn is it now? I don't know. You changed it up. All right. Let's see. Who went before me? Was it John? John went before me because he talked about the Godfather three. So, oh, that's right. so Donnie, then John, then me. Go ahead. Go. Go ahead. Donnie. Okay. Two to two. Trying to find what issues they are. Okay. Um, this was a storyline that took place in the original Avengers series. Uh, it's number two eighty one. It started, and that was. It's where the Greek gods came after the Avengers. Oh, okay. Okay. I got and the you. team of the Avengers at the time was Black Knight, Captain America, Captain Marvel 2, Monica Rambeau, mm -hmm. uh, Dr. Druid, Comatose Hercules, <laughs> She-Hulk, and Thor. And then uh, Wasp and Namor got thrown into the mix. Mm -hmm. And what happened was... Because the story arc before this is actually my number one, so I don't want to give too much away. But <laughs> All right. Zeus was pissed because Hercules was comatose, and he blamed the Avengers and kidnapped them all, the entire team, and took them to Olympic Olympus and basically just ruined their world. Hmm. They were in Hades. They were, I mean, they were just fighting shit. And it was like the Avengers against the the entire Greek mythology. Yeah, I, and you started learning about this is the arc where you really started learning about like what Doctor Druid could do because no one knew who the hell he was. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, we don't want to use Doctor Strange right now, so go ahead and get to that generic dude. <laughs> yeah. But it was awesome, and then it like the way it ended, it it went uh, to two eighty five, I believe. Yes, you are correct. So yes. I believe that this was the last good star story arc for a long time. Really? For a good... Yeah, because this is when you got, like, the crap team and Dr. Druid started to become the leader and all that stuff. And, it, you know, the mad thinker and the cosmic cube. And it just wasn't all that. You know, what? I, I didn't think the Avengers... After this arc, I didn't think the Avengers got good again until, like, 311. Okay. Issue 311. Right. When they were on the island... Oh, yeah, 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 I remember that. And you still didn't know who was really on the team, and you had a weird team of, like, Gilgamesh, and, and Black Panther showed up for a couple issues and things like that. Oh, yeah, and that was also during the Acts of Vengeance. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Gilgamesh. But uh, wow. I kind of think that, was it Wasp? Wasp, I think, was the one that gave Zeus a lecture and put him in his place. <laughs> and Zeus was like, oh, my bad. I didn't mean to kill all you guys. Go back to Earth. <laughs> the end. It, but it was awesome. Yes. And it, this has never been traded, but this was a great, uh, great story. And it was uh, John Buscema and uh, Thomas Palmer, and of course Roger Stern wrote it. Yep. Like I said, man, Stern had a Stern had a grip on the Avengers for a long time, boy. You oh, he sure did. He was loving them Marvel checks back then. He was hooking them up. He's, he, was, he, was, he, was, he was swimming in money during that's that Avengers run. Yeah, so that's what he used to say all the time. He's like, didn't Avengers checks come in yet? They, they started calling him Stern Money. Stern. <laughs> that's, not, that's that new terminology. When you make it in comics, you got that Stern Money. That's, what, that's, what, that's, that's that new terminology right there, Stern Money. I'm writing that down. Shit. <laughs> so that's my number two. number two was I was thinking about a story that 
would follow up on what you were talking about just a minute ago, Donnie. But actually, I'm going to go with what is – this is actually my number one. I just want to go ahead and say it now and make it my number two. Okay. <laughs> because I don't want one of you bitches to say it before I come back around. That is my – what I think is the greatest Avenger story ever told. Oh, smack. Avengers Forever. Damn it. You took took my number one. Oh. Yes, yes, yes. That's why I had to get it out. Because nice. I didn't want one of you bitches to say it first. Here, go ahead. <laughs> go, go ahead, player. Go. I love that book. Talk about it. Talk about, oh, it. Talk about it. I've got... I looked around for years to find this thing when it came out in hardcover. Because I didn't want to pay too much for it. I had re- but uh, so I got lucky and I got it at uh, Heroes Con a couple of years ago for ten bucks. I'd always heard about how good it was, but until I read it, I was like, "Oh, this is damn good." But it's Busick and your boy Roger Stern, mm-hmm. Pacheco, Moreno, basically Avengers from all throughout time, taking on who is the ultimate Avengers villain? Gang. <laughs> <laughs> And a mortis. Yes. Yeah. But it's, yeah. I mean, because it's just, I can't really describe it other than saying you need to read it. If you like any Avengers, you have to read it because, I mean, you've got Cap just after he found out that uh, Nixon was a member of the Secret Empire. I guess it was, I think it was Nixon. Yeah, it was Nixon. Uh, Yellow Jacket, back when he was did not know that he was Henry Pym and was slapping bitches left and right. Hmm. Uh, Hawkeye, Giant Man, also Hank Pym, and the Wasp from Current Time. So it's like that was really funny when uh, Yellow Jacket was hitting on her. That made it even funnier. <laughs> and of course, Captain Marvel, aka the Janice Vell, aka the one no one really liked. Mm. and songbird but it was a great team and it was a great all it was just a great book that you've got to read yeah i i I, you, I, I had to buy the individual issues twice because i read it so much <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm serious man like i tore through i tore through avengers forever it's it's a beautiful book i mean i mean the story the story is great but the pacheco art with the merino inks, oh my god, it's just it's gorgeous. I love it. Mm-hmm. So I hope you have an alternate. Oh no no no, I do I do. I'm just re- <laughs> I'm just remembering I'm just remembering some of the parts of Avengers Forever. Like, you know, they they battle through all these different eras, and like you get to see like the old West with the two gun kid and Knight Rider, then the Rawhide kid and Kid Colt. Oof, oof. Oh, wrong Knight Rider. No, no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, 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 not 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 the Knight Industries two thousand, but uh, but no, it was that was just great for, for me to read that. That was so much fun, so much fun. So now, yeah, I, I gotta think of a I gotta think of a new a new uh, a new one. I I gotta look for a second. I, I was gonna joke and talk about Avengers three hundred, um, the the team that every that so many people like just diss on hard. You know what I think? It came out of Inferno. Came out of Inferno. I think we're gonna talk about it. It was the I can tell you right on without even looking at the computer. Talk to it me. was Mister Mister Fantastic, Invisible Woman, the Captain, mm-hmm. Gilgamesh, the Forgotten One, yep. and Thor. Now, if you really think about that on paper. 
That sounds like a pretty badass team. Not even with Gilgamesh, okay? Let's not let's just say Gilgamesh don't exist, okay? Because he is the forgotten one. So we're gonna forget about him. And you got Thor, Mr. Fantastic, Invisible Woman, and basically Captain America on one team together. And I remember people saying, Well, why how come they how come Sue and Richard are on the team? That doesn't really make sense. They have their own team. I'm like, it's the Avengers. They can do whatever they want. That's right. And I just remember reading this and like a lot of the villains in, in this inferno tie-in were very nondescript for me. I could they they really didn't make a lot of sense to me, but to see all these to see these four out of the five heroes that I really enjoy kicking ass and becoming a team, it was short lived. That was like that was a big deal for me. And once again, it's one of those things where like in that issue of the Fantastic Four for like one issue was like or two issues it was like Hulk, Ghost Rider, uh Spidey and Wolverine. Yep. You know, he that was you just didn't do that. You didn't. And for Mr. Fantastic and Invisible Woman to join the Avengers, you didn't do that. They had their own team, and but they did it anyway. It was written by Walt, Walt Simonson. How am I supposed to pass this up? <laughs> and then you had like uh, like a couple issues later, you had Quasar mm-hmm. join the team, and then uh, then there was like um, the West Coast Avengers showed up for a little for a couple of issues. This. After, see this gave this gave birth to a lot of cool stuff. You had a, issue three hundred four guest starring the Puma. <laughs> yeah, and I remember reading that shit. I was like, Are they going to make the Puma an Avenger? That would be awesome. Yeah, Thomas Fireheart. <laughs> and see, they did shit like that year in '89. They fought like the uh, the Lava Men, and like they went to the yeah with John Byrne, man. Yeah, they went to the Negative Zone, and then they fought Blastar. And it's just, I mean, like shit they hadn't done in ages. And it was just like the Beast would show up for an issue. Black Panther would show up for a couple issues. She-Hulk would show up for a few issues. Yeah, and like they had that whole Supernova saga. And just all types of crazy stuff. And, and I just I had fun with this. Is it the, It's not the greatest Avengers stuff in the world. Oh, not by a long shot. But, no. but it's it's so much fun. That's when Byrne took over writing was like 303 or something like that. Yeah, yeah, Byrne, yeah Byrne took over. Yeah, I think you're right. I think he did take over with, with uh, no, then, no, he didn't take over with 303 because it went from Simonson to uh, Machio to, uh, let's see, I'm, I'm trying to find out right now when Byrne took over. Byrne took over, then it was Finger Off. Like literally from like 301 on, they had a different writer. Yeah, they just passed it around. They passed the buck. Um, let's see here. Burn. Well, he did the Lava Men story. Maybe that was his first. 305 was his first issue. Then. Burn took over in yeah, 305. Yeah, yeah Burn took over in 305 for a while. So I just remember. That's when it started getting good again. Yeah. It's just crazy, man. I mean, the Avengers have went through so many ups and downs, comics-wise. But when it's on, when it's on. And, like, they're, like I said, like with this whole thing with that team with issue 300. Really, it's not the greatest thing in the world. But concept-wise, as a kid, it was awesome. It was Inferno. Okay, yeah. I mean, that was just, there you go. Yeah, I'm like, Inferno brought that around. I mean, an event, which was normally like a mutant event, because that's what Inferno was. It was a mutant event, spun off into the Avengers, and it just turned into something, you know, well, at the time, big. Because you didn't put two members of the Fantastic Four on on the Avengers. You just didn't do that. So, So, yeah, that was mine. John, Donnie, I'm going to give y'all one more, and then we're going to close it out. So, John, it's on you. Go ahead. Y'all were talking about it, and so I guess I... Mine's kind of almost a tie. I had almost tie... It was almost a tie between Kang War and 
the one I'm going to use, but it's not a storyline as much as just a story. One issue, and it changed how one character in Marvel was con- was always perceived thereafter. Avengers Under Siege. Ooh. Damn it! <laughs> yes! I screwed you both! That was yes. my number one! That shit went on yes, from, from yes, two, yes, issue yes, 270 yes, to 277. Yeah, man. But the main that, one everybody remembers is number one, is 277. A.K.A. Hercules gets his ass beat. Right, and that's and he becomes catatonic, and that's when Zeus got all... Dissy. Yeah. No, man. I just remember that it... I remember that run vividly for that one panel where uh, Jarvis is tied up. Oh, I was just going to talk about that. Go ahead, Donnie. Go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead, go ahead, guys. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead, Donnie. When, 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 what, well, basically, the storyline is Baron Zemo gets a new Masters of Evil, and it's it it it's like an army, and these dudes take the fight to the Avengers. They show up at their front door and just fuck shit up, and they take over Avengers Mansion. It and was Jarvis great. Is in, and they capture Jarvis, and they have him tied up. And then Baron Zemo, they capture Captain America, and Captain America's acting all tough and shit. And he says to Zemo, he says, do whatever you want to me. It's not going to make a difference. You're still going to lose. And that he said, you could torture me all you want. And Zemo said, I'm not going to hurt you, Captain. And he turns Mr. Hyde on Jarvis, and Mr. Hyde beats the shit out of the Avengers' bestest friend. Yeah. And and th- I mean that was almost kills him once again. They almost killed Rick Jones. Yeah, and that was like unheard of. I mean Jarvis, come on man, Jarvis, you can't touch Jarvis. He serves the sandwiches with the fly pickle on the side. That's right, and tea. Yes, that motherfucker got he's he's got mead mead at the ready for Thor. <laughs> Who got mead, man? Jarvis is the world's greatest butler. Fuck Alfred, and I'm the biggest Batman fan. Mm. But. I, Jarvis got it over on Alfred. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. All you, John, you son of a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, come on. You can keep talking. Oh, yeah. I just, but you know what's just funny? It's like our one, two. My one, two was your number one and uh, Sean's number one. So it's like we're all thinking of the same story. I I really do. I think it's one of the greatest Avengers storyline because, you know, as a kid reading these books, that's the first time you ever saw the heroes lose. That's the first time I ever really saw the Avengers lose, ever. You know what you know what I mean? I mean they took a right. L. I mean they took an L, a hard L. And I mean they made it last so long that you really didn't know what the it, how they were going to beat them. Right. And it, I mean, from month to month, you were like, "What the fuck's going on?" Right. Oh, oh yeah, no doubt. And not only that though, but after that was over, if this was like Marvel Comics now. If mm-hmm. after that was over, you would have got a new number one with a new sure. with a new team of like big guns. After that storyline was over, there were it was still there wasn't any big guns. After that story was over, it was still Cap, Monica Rambo, Captain Marvel, Black Knight, Thor with the body armor, She Hulk, and um, and Doctor Druid. There was no major change. There was no major major change right. on that team. So, right. it, and you had like guest stars show up like. Um, Ant-Man showed up to help Wasp at the hospital taking on Absorbing Man and Titana. Yeah. And you were like, how the hell are them little people going to beat them big-ass dudes? And they did. <laughs> yeah. And you were introduced to the uh, to um, uh, Yellow Jacket 2. Yep. 
Oh yeah, it's just that was a great run. And do we have Roger Stern to thank for that one too? Yes, you do. Thank you, Roger Stern. Stern. And I believe it's been traded. I want to say Avengers Under Siege has been traded. Okay. And I'm not lying to you when I tell you that this is one of the best storylines ever. I mean, it's damn near all three of us number one. Yeah, and and once again, like I said before, look at that roster. Look at the roster for that team. If that was current comics, no one would give a shit about that team. Right. But once again, that's what great writing and great teamwork does. It doesn't matter who's on the team. Never. It never matters who's on the team. It's about the story. The story is what matters most. And and you're right. You really thought the Avengers were going to lose and that the book was over. I mean, that was it. And either that or it was just it was going to go away for a really long time. It was traded about 13 years ago, one of those early late 90s. No, I think it's been re-solicited, though, in a hardcover. Yeah, I was about to say, which means it's due to come back in a hardcover at some point, because it's just like Corvac. I'm pretty sure, though, that uh, DCBS did have it, did solicit it. I'm pretty sure. It may, maybe yeah. it didn't even come out yet. Maybe it's only been. Yeah, there's a yeah. It's got a different complete trade dress, uh, hardcover. It's got a Thunderstriker, whoever the fuck is in the front. Yeah, it came out about a year and a half, a little over a year ago. So you can find that people buy that shit. Yeah, or you can just go in fifty cent bins and find the issues. You can the get issues aren't that hard from, to find. You get it used from six bucks, new twenty on Amazon, or I'm sorry, through our. Through our, uh, <laughs> through our friends at DCBS, $20 also. Yeah, I got to give it to you. Uh, that I think that's a great way to close this out. Because that was my number one, man. Can I throw out some honorable oh, mentions? Oh, yeah, please. Throw, throw, throw them out. Throw them out. Please, please, please. Uh, the first Young Avengers series, nine issues. Came out of uh, Disassembled. Pretty cool. Um, I thought it was 12 issues. No, the first one, I believe, was only nine. Uh, Here, I'll look it up real quick. But then, John, you were talking about... Uh, the uh, the Kang Dynasty, yeah, it, that that was in uh, one of my honorable mentions. It was twelve plus a special, so yeah. Oh yeah, you're right. My bad. Twelve plus a special. That's where Kang. That was in the Busick run. Is that the one you were talking about? Yeah, that's where Kang shows up and for like ten issues, just not just screws up the Avengers, but he totals planet Earth. Yep, and you had over. all these different crazy characters, you know. Like, uh, what was his name from um, Excalibur? Was in a couple of issues. Micro Max. <laughs> they were him and She Hulk and a bunch of other people were fighting for France. Yeah. Oh. It was just awesome. Wow. No one wants to fight for France. And then, of course, <laughs> not even the French, obviously. Uh, <laughs> then, of course. I'm surprised you didn't say this, Sean, but the West Coast Avengers miniseries. No, and Neil, I, I wanted to so bad, but I didn't. I didn't want to trump that again. I just didn't because people know how much I love the West Coast Avengers miniseries. They fought Graviton. They fought the Blank Man. The, the the first issue with all the superheroes in the cover in the background, I knew Rom wasn't going to join that team. But in my head, I said, "Did Puck? Did you pay the head Puck? Yep. <laughs> and, and and the Shroud. And I'm like, I know Rom ain't joining the team, but I'm gonna find out anyway." At least the Shroud made it an issue. He sure did. No one else did. You know, and they had Rhodey Iron. You know, it was Rhodey Iron Man on the team. And I just, dude, I love that miniseries. I will forever. That's, that's like, for me, that's like one of my greatest comic acquisitions of all time. And for many, that miniseries doesn't mean jack shit. 
But for me, that book means a lot, and I love it. I, I really do. I mean, I was really trying to keep a lot of the West Coast Avengers stuff out because, because like the whole burn run of West Coast Avengers, to me, it qualifies just for the artwork alone. The stories are okay, but the artwork on that is just grand. But I, I, but I don't recall. I don't recall a lot of the storylines from West Coast Avengers as much as I do the regular Avengers. Although, although, although I do remember a lot of the early West Coast Avengers stuff after the miniseries, like the Al Milgram stuff, where they fought Master Pandemonium. They brought the, yeah. they brought the Griffin in, and mm-hmm. and then they brought in uh, the Phantom Rider or or, or Night. Yeah, they went in time travel. Yeah, when Moon Knight was on the team. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They had him on the team. Yeah, it's great. It's great stuff. A lot of fun. A lot of fun. And there was a storyline called uh, the Red Zone that was written by Jeff Johns. Uh, where the Red Skull, he he let out this uh, red mist around this area mm-hmm. near Mount Rushmore. I don't remember if it, it killed people or turned them crazy. Mm. I want to say it turned them crazy because then the story arc after that was Search of the She-Hulk. Yeah, where um, where I think she did get get a uh, a face full of that dust or whatever that gas, and she went. Like asshole, crazy, rampaging Hulk style. Yeah, dude. Yeah, it just went through towns. And like that, even the aftermath of that and the remnants of that was even brought up in her in her um, one of her series, um, one of the She Hulk series around. Right. You know, and you know she you know she talked about that because she didn't she couldn't forgive herself for it. And yeah, that was that was some pretty heavy stuff. Yeah, people forget Jeff Johns had a small period of time in Marvel before he became the ever-encompassing DC guy. Right. So, and also, who drew that uh, She-Hulk storyline was Scott Collins. Wow. Penciled and inked it. That's a name I haven't heard in a while. Well, what does Scott Collins do now? I can't remember. He's done uh, a few things. He's yeah, most, he did the he's Flash. Uh, yeah. He did the Flash for a little... Well, I know he did the, um, uh, the Final Crisis Flash series with the Rogues. Which was good, real good. He wrote a he wrote and drew a bunch of uh, some stuff in the when they did uh, was it ultimate not ultimatum uh, annihilation wave stuff. He did that BPRD work, uh, Flashpoint. He did Citizen Cold and in Re- Reverse Flash as a writer. Let's see, yeah, he did annihilation yeah. stuff. In '89, he was even on Avengers West Coast, mm. which I don't even remember that. He, yeah, he's changed he, up his art style too. It's not as kinetic as it used to be. Yeah, it's um, it's nice. But the, he's been doing a lot of uh, DC work though. Those are my honorable mentions. Do you have so. any honorable mentions, uh, John? Uh, really, just Civil War and Kang War were the only two on my two. Okay. Um, let's see. As far as honorable mentions for me, I. I really, I mean, I don't really have any, I mean, like, because a lot of the ones you guys talked about would be in my honorable mention line, and uh, a lot of the West Coast Avengers stuff. Um, the the Solo Avengers book back in the 80s um, with Haw- you know, Hawkeye and the, and the Solo Avengers, where it's basically like a Hawkeye team-up book, or it would be a Hawkeye story followed by another short story. Um, those books I really enjoyed a lot. Um, during its short run, that's really that's really about it. The stuff I laugh most about was like the Team Jacket era, because that team that is one of the most forgettable teams in Avengers history, and Team Tony, uh, you know that stuff I still laugh about. But 
as far as honorable mention goes, yeah, I, I just normally would just pick up the old West Coast Avengers stuff and uh, Solo Avengers. That gets uh, honorable mention because a lot of the times in Solo Avengers, some of the characters they used, you would never, ever see in a regular Avengers book. So, so yeah, and I'm sure we missed out on something, but that's all right. We had fun with this, though. One big thing that was different about the Avengers compared to the uh, JLA was up until was for a long time that JLA was a, was a strictly delineated story. I mean, each issue was either self-contained, it didn't really lead into each other, but if you look at Avengers, it's one continuous story just about the entire time. It's one story. Everything's building on what happened before. You didn't have that with JLA. That's what made. That's one thing that made Avengers great. Yeah, right. And and the thing is with like the the old Avengers books. It didn't matter when you came in; you could still read it without any problems. Yeah. Right. You know, I mean, I, that's definitely not the case today. But, but back then, you could without any issues at all, and I think that's that was awesome. And that concludes this week's PKD Black Box. The PKD Black Box is a proud member of the HHWLOD Podcast Network and is available at hhwlod.com and is also available via iTunes. And you can still go to pkdmedia.com to get our podcast, check out our forum, and read comics like Mercury in the Mode, Agents of Cult, and Luke Foster's The Gang from the Store for free. If you're on iTunes or our forum board, feel free to leave us a comment or you can email us at blackbox at pkdmedia.com. Thanks again for listening. Until then, dream big and hustle hard. Awesome. I I wrote down like uh because I know how these list shows work on PKD, so I, I actually have like twelve storylines just in case <laughs> one of you motherfuckers take it. All right, I know how you do. Hey, it ain't my fault, man. We we all read a lot of great comics. <laughs> no, we didn't. We read a lot of we read a lot of crap in the nineties, but we oh you know, and I, I got and I've got like images from the nineties Avengers books. I'm trying to find the Teen Tony images. Well, see, like. That's when I was out because that was the reign of my first wife. Why you gotta say <laughs> what? Why you gotta say it was the reign of your first? It was the it was, <laughs> it was the decade of the Beehotch. It was a dark time in the Savo <laughs> era. Yeah, I need Morgan Freeman to, to narrate my life. There was a tyranny of defeat and play. I met a woman named Jen, and it was over. <laughs> as far as comic books were concerned, and then he finally escaped. And he said, either get busy living or get busy dying. (laughs) (laughs) And he decided to get busy with Victoria. Yes. (laughs) And from there, it was splendid. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. You should do a road to WrestleMania. That's... Okay, whatever, Santino. Uh, That's... (laughs) That's what next month's going to be. It'll be like about a two. It'll be like a two to three hour cast. I'm going to have a baseball preview on a road to WrestleMania, and a, but that's it. I'm not yeah. excited about WrestleMania at all. Especially no, I mean, once they turned around and made the Triple H Undertaker two match, and I was like, "Did you motherfuckers not watch yourselves last year? You were no, an Triple embarrassment." H, Triple H Undertaker three. They fought before. Well, WrestleMania. that's true, but I mean, like, 
the storyline yeah. to be the feud the same feud and it's just like dude all because no. they couldn't get sting no it's all because triple h don't want to let go that's why he wants no, to make couldn't. his business money and his wrestling money at the same time you know get what's going to be out of there you know what's going to be fucking annoying is that that matches the next to last card how oh. many damn rock Cena videos we're going to see beforehand right because they got to yank up the hell in the cell I, I just found out that I uh, I have that Sunday off and like the last few Sundays of Wrestlemania I had to work but my buddy always hosts it so I'm going to have him and his family over even though I don't want to see it just no, just be, you know well, I was going to say I'll be burning rubber back from. Uh, no, I'll probably drive back actually on Saturday from uh, Lexington. So, hmm. see, I think the thing that that gets me most about this whole Roxena feud is that it's just been poorly done. Period. And it's, <laughs> and it's and it's and it's and it's not like it's not Rock's fault. It's not Cena's fault. It's the fucking writer's fault. How do I, I don't understand how this feud really makes no sense to me because if anything the only thing that really makes sense is that they can't stand each other i know they don't they, they may not like each other in real life but the only angle that you can really play on it is rock came from the attitude era cena came from the success of the attitude era basically bo- blossoming world wrestling federation into this uber business and it's two different eras that's the only thing i can see that's the difference between those two besides that it's nothing yeah it's just they're, they're struggling to try and it's eh. yeah they're making a little backstage sheet stuff of how a bullshit but look at the upside we're getting the doctor of thugonomics back it looks like because he was pulling a little bit of that old shit out oh really oh yeah you should see his promo from monday he was bringing back a little bit of his rap stuff yeah, that's why. You know what? They, they need to give him a new damn theme song, too. It's like, look, I understand the whole My Time Is Now thing. I dug it for a while. <laughs> give this motherfucker a new theme song. Let him rap on something else, okay? Dude, he's got a fucking ghostwriter, all right? He's got a you know, he's got a ghostwriter. I know, I because I, I know the dude that I don't know him personally, but I say I know the guy who ghostwrites his shit. So let him do something else, please. I'm so tired. His time is now. But you know what? Little kids love him. Oh, they sure My do. son is a fucking Cena mark like you would not believe no, I, my son is sexy as a goddamn scene no and that's okay there's nothing wrong with that i'm just asking for a new fucking theme song that's all i'm asking for that ain't gonna happen uh, nobody changes music none of your stars change music dude even the hall of fame sucks this year no ron simmons is going to hall of fame you that's shut the, your mouth no, motherfucker the four horsemen bitch that's the yeah but it ain't the real four horsemen it's a bit. Ain't the oh the original four horsemen. Fuck you, Ole Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> Ole Anderson Ron is the only good thing in there, man. Ole Anderson is probably the most racist wrestler I've ever heard of, and I've listened to some and I've listened to some shit from people. <laughs> I used to hang out with a honky tonk man. No. <laughs> Actually, I've dr- gone drinking with the honky tonk man. Shut your mouth. <laughs> I would drive that man insane because I would just see sing his theme song wherever he went. I'm the honky tonk man. Honky tonk man. I'll be all right. I'm I, I saw him at a show once. It was him and Virgil. I saw them both at a show once. I think it was yeah, a- Virgil does them all, dude. Yeah, man. Virgil's going to be sitting a table up outside of uh, Miami. He's going to be like about, about two blocks down. He'll be sitting there with his own little folding table going, hi, Virgil. <laughs> Uh, autographs we'll sign autographs for food and or backstage pass <laughs> what was his name what was his name when uh 
when like he was Vincent. no no no, no. Vincent. he was Vincent but when he joined that stupid uh, NWO no not the NWO but when they had that country group in in WCW headed by Kurt Henning and he had that whole I hate rap song and poor, poor so, Kurt Henning and like didn't like Vincent change his name like Curly or something like that <laughs> something stupid. Hey, I fucking hated that angle. That's that's why I, I think that's when my hatred for WWE. Wait, 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 wait. You actually liked Master P? No, I thought that was just stupid. I, I thought the whole thing was stupid. It's like if you want to bring Master P on WCW, fine. What the fuck ever. But if you're going to like you know introduce Swole to people because that was that wrestler's name, Swole, because he's a really big black dude. It's like y'all got hard enough time trying to sell other black wrestlers like Booker T. So I know y'all gonna fuck this whole thing with Swole up, which they did, and the whole thing with Master P was a t- terribly written storyline, which it was, and it was just bad. Well, number one, anything that to, it, they didn't they didn't expect the Southern fans to go, "Hey, we like rap." Yeah, and it just didn't work. It just did not work at all. What was you about to say, Donnie? Anything written in WCW was not written well. Yeah, exactly, exactly, and that oh. is the truth. Go look at the Legends of Wrestling, the one they did on uh, NWO. They did it about a year ago, right after uh, Nash came back. Oh, okay. Man, it's because it's Nash and Ross and a couple of and uh, Mick F- and, and a couple others, and they were just you could just see. I mean, they talk about how many opportunities they miss. It's like they didn't even have a merchandising arm for the NWO. For WCW, didn't have a merchandising arm. Yeah. Uh, and Vince was like, Vince could have made so much. If that had been Vince's angle, you know how much money that would have made? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, definitely. definitely. Did you hear Vince Russo put in an application again for WWE? What? Are you kidding he's, me? No. Nope, he got he fired jumped, a jump week ago. Sh- yeah, he, he, he got, he's out of there, dude. It's about fucking time. Maybe ass. TNA will be good again, but I doubt it. Yeah, that's- bring, back the eight, bring back the eight-sided ring. I miss that ring in TNA, but no. But Hogan didn't want the eight-sided ring. That was part of that. Was, that's why the eight-sided ring went away because Hogan didn't like it. That's right. Now you got Sting dressing up like the Joker again. That was actually pretty good. That's actually not bad. So Joker Sting looks looks crazy, man. I just call him Jing. He just looks he looks crazy to me, man. I just that's a guy, and we're about to start our Avengers talk, but that's a guy who. Going through his whole career, because we all watched wrestling. Can you remember at least more than one memorable Sting match? And this no, I never liked him. And this, but the I, I never watched. See, I never watched WCW because I, I just couldn't get into it. Like I tried. I, I used to have a Discrambler box, and I used to watch all their pay per views and stuff. And it was just, it was like pulling teeth. Yeah, you know, that's I, one thing they. Uh talk about with nwo stuff is that they didn't know how to do pay-per-view how to build to it or how to lead into it or do anything on those cards if you watch a lot of them it's the same pay-per-view matches for almost almost five months with some of the the feuds man it's like how much can you watch the same shit you know when they did the when they did the buff bagwell your mom on a pole match i was out i was done and they had forklifts. Yeah. And they had both the wrestlers' mamas on pallets sitting on chairs on each side of the ring. And to win, you had to get your mom down off the <laughs> off the forklift. I was oh, out. Cra- 
I just remember Done. a story of uh, Jim Ross talking about Buff Bagwell right after Buff, right when they had signed Buff for WWE. Yeah. And he and Judy called in on said he wouldn't be able to make uh, the house shows that weekend and. So on, and he was like, "Okay." He's like, "Don't ever call." It's like you don't have your son call again. I was like, "You don't call for your son. You call for him. you. You have him call." And then on Monday, he said, "I don't ever want to hear a call from your mother other than to say happy birthday, because if she calls me again, you're fired." Mm. This is when Ross was director of talent relations, still. But yeah, it, it is. That's what cracks me up about like during WCW's height, like when they were just the shit. I mean, pulling in big ass ratings for TNT. I don't know how they did it. Because names, yeah, it had to be. They were hot. Yeah, I mean, they pointed out the difference between WCW and WWE because the WCW money from pay per view went to Turner Home Entertainment. It didn't go into WCW, so they didn't have any. So yeah, they would go to the pay per view, but they wouldn't build to it. Hmm. Whereas Vince didn't have the ratings, so he wouldn't be making as much money in, from the ratings. But because he would build up and get you to buy the pay-per-view, he made his money back in the pay-per-view. So they were always kicking ass in pay-per-view month over WCW. They were easily two to three times as much. Hmm. That is yeah, but now the, the best Sting match is, uh, I would say, 92 or 91 when he and Luger took on the Steiners. Yeah. And uh, I think I think at Slamboree that was a great tag match. Now his singles matches were not that good, but then again, WCW didn't have anybody he could really work with. Yeah, I don't know, man. I just I, ne- I mean, their upper their upper mid card sucked for him to work with, but in from '91 to about '97. Yeah. No, but all the, they're all stiff. Well, but you had Rude. His stuff with Rude was good. Yeah, but I thought the power plant was developing wrestlers. So, never mind. Never mind. Don't get me started. I'm not. I'm not even going to start. Anyway, let's get started on this uh, on this Avengers episode because I can't talk wrestling all day with y'all. Please believe. Dang. <laughs> Stop it, man. I'm glad Ron Simmons is going in the Hall of Fame, though. I'm me too. Real glad about that. That's my dude, man. That is my dude. 